Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm very, very excited to be continuing this series that I started last week called As It Is In Heaven. And this song we've just been singing sets this message up so well. If I was to ask, who wants a piece of heaven to come to earth? Put your hand up if you want to see heaven come to earth. Let me ask you another question. Who thinks we need heaven to come to earth? I do. And that's why this series for me today is just so important. And uh, my subtitle of my message today, and I know this is going to mess with the guys at the back desk there because we're out of order already. But the subtitle of my message today would simply be Kingdom Living. Kingdom Living. Because this series about as it is in heaven is really a series about the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God. Jesus spoke about the Kingdom of God. That was His message. He came and spoke about the Kingdom. All the Kingdom uh, principles uh, revolve around what the Kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus didn't say the Kingdom of heaven is. He said the Kingdom of heaven is like. Why did He say that? Because our infinite minds, or sorry, our finite minds couldn't comprehend just how magnificent the Kingdom really is. And so Jesus dumbed down the revelation in order for us to have some grasp of what the Kingdom of Heaven is really like. In actual fact, that's the dilemma of every preacher on the planet today, trying to describe the indescribable. Every preacher on the planet is fighting this battle. How do we describe something that's beyond description? He's far more magnificent. He's far more wonderful. He's far more beautiful. He's bigger, stronger, and more powerful than my words could ever, ever convey. And so Jesus, help me today to represent You well as I do my best to share Your Word. And I pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what it is that the Spirit of God is saying to us individually and collectively as we move into this new year, 2021. Amen. Jesus spoke about the Kingdom. I'm going to do a quick recap on last week. Then we're going to get into this series today or this message today. The Kingdom of God could be interpreted in its simplest, purest form as the rule of God or the reign of God. Whenever God's rule, wherever God's reign is displayed on planet Earth, His kingdom has come. I shared last week that all kingdoms are manifest through its culture. We see that here in Australia. In Australia, we speak English. In Australia, we drive on the left-hand side of the road. In Australia, we have the Queen as the head of state of this particular beautiful, amazing country. And all of those things are very English. Why? Because Australia was established on English thinking. And as a result of being established on English thinking, we have adopted English culture. Does that make sense? All kingdoms are manifest through its culture. And the kings and queens of old, when they colonised Australia, the mantra was, as it is in England, let it be in Australia. And God's mantra is, as it is in heaven, let it be on planet Earth. The second thing I said last week was that our thinking determines our culture. Where does our culture come from? It comes from the way we think. You see, none of us were born with a culture. We were born into a culture. 
Me and my two brothers were born in Australia, but our parents immigrated from the UK. And though we were born in Australia, the culture of our house was very English. That's why I drank cups of tea. That's why we ate roast beef and Yorkshire pudding with gravy, not lumpy gravy, because English don't make lumpy gravy. They know how to make real gravy. And we grew up watching English comedies like Monty Python and The Two Ronnies and Dave Allen. And I just grew up in all of that. And that was, that was my sense of humour. And, and, and it doesn't make it right or wrong. It just means that's what I grew up in. And as a result, that became my culture. If I grew up in an Asian culture, if I grew up in an Italian culture, my eating habits would be different. The, the things I like to watch on telev- television would be different because I'm not born with a culture, I'm born into a culture and that is true for you. No one is born with a culture. We are born into a culture. Are you following me? Does that make sense this morning? Good. We, uh, sorry, uh, whoever controls the minds, I said last week, will create the culture. And one of the things the media have done has bombarded us with advertising and all kinds of thinking in order to create a culture. And that culture is a counterculture to the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom culture, I said last week, is a counterculture. That's why most of what Jesus said, He started with this thought. You've heard it said this, but I tell you something else. And it blew people's minds. See, we were born into a culture, but when we got born again, we were born again into another culture. And this is where the battle for me is. And this is where the battle for you is. Can we get honest this morning? Can we get real this morning? You know, I love Jesus, but it doesn't mean it's always easy. I love Jesus, but it doesn't mean I I don't always like what Jesus is telling me. Can we get real this morning? Is there anyone in this room that loves Jesus, but doesn't always like what Jesus has to say? Is is there anyone here who loves Jesus, but does not wanna do what Jesus wants you to do? That's because there's a clash of culture. The culture that I grew up in, the things that I determined were right and wrong, and the things that the kingdom determine that are right and wrong. And that's my inner struggle. That's my battle. And I dare say that's your battle. And that's why this message today hopefully will liberate and help us move forward in Jesus' Name. We have to adopt a new culture. And this new culture of the kingdom, it requires a new way of thinking, a new way of speaking, a new way of acting. We can't live the way we used to live in this new culture. It's kind of like when a young man meets a young lady and they fall in love. And you think about a young man falling in love with a young woman, you've got to ask, what could go wrong? Love covers everything. All you need is love. That's what we were indoctrinated with. The Beatles told us all you need is love. So if I've got love, that's all I need, baby. You and me forever. And if that is true, why do so many relationships go to, what's the word I'm after? Pot. It's a very English word, went to pot. That young couple's relationship just went to pot. <laughs> but we see it all the time. 
Do you know how many marriages I've performed, ceremonies, and I've looked the young man and the young woman in the eye and they've said these words, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. I'll be with you forever because we're in love. And yet sadly, statistics tell us that 50% of all those ceremonies are going to end in separation. Why? Because love's not enough. Because what we don't factor in is the different cultures. I love my wife. We've been together for 37 years, including our dating years, 37 years. And I, and I love her more now than ever before. But I've got to be honest with you, when we first started living together, I thought, well, who, have I, who is it I've married? She's got all these rules. She's got all these regulations. And I didn't know about that until I lived with her. I'm sorry, I grew up in a house of boys which grew into men. And, and you know, when it came to uh, toilet etiquette, you know, when you're a guy, it's no big deal to leave the toilet seat up. You can do that. And, 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 and I think probably the first six months, our biggest arguments were over the toilet seat. Who's going to win the clash of the toilet seat? Is it going to remain up or is it going to remain down? This is very real for us. I'm pouring my heart out here. Why are you laughing at me? I'm burying my soul. If I had a couch, I'd lay down. And it was a very real clash of cultures. It was a very real battle. And I, I remember thinking, I'm going to leave it up. I'm going to show it. I'm going to win this battle. And the cat's like, that's the one I'm saying, up again. She didn't say it like that. She's beautiful. She said, honey. And, and I remember thinking, you know what? I can argue about this for the rest of my life. Or I can just concede. I can concede. And I can surrender my culture to her culture when it comes to the toilet seat. And now, if you ever come to our home at any time, you catch any time, you'll see our toilet seat is down. <laughs> because I surrendered my culture to her culture and peace reigns. And you might say, is that all your... That may not have been your issue. And I don't have, to tell you, I don't have time this morning to tell you all the other issues. <laughs> but let's be honest. A young man, young woman falling in love, it's not enough. Yeah. If it was, we'd never fight, we'd never argue, and life would be rosy. But no, there's this clash of cultures. The home that I grew up in versus the home that she grew up in. Now, magnify that in a room of people this size. And we can say, we're going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord. And every one of you has a preference of what that means for you. And because you remember back in the day when you first got saved, you sat around a circle and you sing Kumbaya and that's worship to you. And I'm not here to say it's not. But, but other people got saved at Youth Alive and there was this loud music and Striper were playing and, and loud, heavy rock music is, is worship to you. And I've got to say, God, help me to marry these different cultures. Yeah. And the only way we're going to work together is if someone is willing to surrender. Yeah. If someone doesn't surrender, guess what? Anarchy yeah. reigns. Yeah. Yeah. And God wants to bring peace. And for us to experience the peace of God that's in the Word, someone has to surrender. 
And can I just let you in on a little secret? It's not Jesus who's going to surrender to you. And it's not Jesus who's going to surrender to me. We surrender to the King. Half of our battles have nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's not him, it's not her, it's not that, it's not this. It's our lack of willingness to surrender. And God will let our lives get as bad as they need to get in order for us to come to the place of surrender. How do I know that? Because he told a story about the prodigal son who walked away from the father's house and got himself into all kinds of strife. And he never ran after him, but he always watched for him. And the moment this young man came to his knees and more importantly came to his senses, he turned around and came home. And God is wanting us to come to our knees, come to our senses so that we may come home and live in His peace. Are you with me today? And so Jesus' mission was to colonise earth with heaven. Hence why when the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? He told them very clearly, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, His kingdom, not ours, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. And there it is, as it is in heaven. And I don't know about you, if you've been a Christian for a long period of time like I have, some of these verses become so poetic, we forget the meaning of them. We just quote them verbatim. We quote them without even thinking about what it actually means. We lose the meaning and we just pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us a daily breath, give us a daily Amen. Ah, prayed. That's not exactly what Jesus had in mind here. He wants us to stop and think about what it is that we're saying and what we're praying so there's power. And so today I want to try my best to demystify what your kingdom come means and what it actually looks like. What it means and what it looks like. And I hope it will be helpful today and move us from where we are to where we desire to be. In short... The kingdom of God comes when the king's commands are obeyed. I mean, it's deep, I know. But really, if you want God's kingdom to come, then you've just got to do what the king says to do. And when you do what the king says to do, his kingdom comes. The kingdom of God is the rule of God. And when God is ruling over our words, when He's ruling over our decisions, when He's ruling over our hearts, that's the kingdom of God coming to planet Earth. When we say, no God, I've got a better way. No God, I've got a better timeline. No God, I've got a different way of thinking. The kingdom of God does not come. So in short, the kingdom of God comes when the King's commands are obeyed. Or let me say it this way, the kingdom comes when we submit to God's will, His word and His ways. When we submit to His will, His word and His ways. That word submit means submission. And the word submission simply means to come under His mission. It's not our mission, it's not our will, it's His. And so when I submit, I am coming under His mission. That's what submission is all about. I come under His mission. So it's not my will, not my mission, but your mission be done. Jesus wants to colonise planet Earth with heaven. 
And every time we submit our will, our word and our ways to His will, His word and His ways, the Kingdom of God, a little piece of heaven comes to planet Earth. Can you imagine every believer around the world today submitting their thoughts, bringing their thoughts under His mission? Heaven would break out everywhere. It would break out everywhere. In Proverbs 14 verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to man. Let's be honest. We all have a way that seems right to us. If I was king, if I was in charge, if I was the boss, if I was the pastor, if I was leading worship this morning, we all have a way that seems right to us. But in the end, it leads to death. All of our best ideas, plans and thoughts land in the same place. Dun, 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 death. All of them. All of our best thoughts outside of the king's oversight and the king's lordship, it leads to death. Jesus has a better way. And so the subtitle of my message today is simply this, Kingdom Living. And I want to look at four specific ways the kingdom comes. There's more than what I want to touch on today, but for sake of helping us, and I know it's going to be an encouragement, and I also know it's going to be a challenge to us today. Do you want to know what the four things are? I'm so glad you said yes. At least some of you said yes. Some of you said, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Some of you said, yeah, I would love to know. But I'm going to share them anyway. Number one is simply this. The kingdom of God comes whenever there is submission to structural, spiritual authority. It's wonderful to sing these songs, let your kingdom come. But if we really want the kingdom of God to come, we have to do it His ways. And one of His ways is that we have to obey and submit to structural spiritual authority. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God Himself. There was this one occasion where Jesus was walking and talking with His disciples and He was interrupted by a centurion. This centurion had been sent specifically to Jesus on behalf of his boss to see if Jesus would come and heal his boss's servant. So he went as a messenger and the centurion comes to Jesus, falls at his feet and says, Jesus, my boss's servant or slave is sick and he sent me to you to see if you would heal him. And Jesus says, absolutely, I'll come with you. And this is what the centurion said. He said, Jesus, you don't need to come with me. You only need to say the word. You see, I'm a man under authority and I have people under my authority. And so I know what it is to give orders and I know what it is to take orders. In other words, he was telling us where true authority comes from. And true authority comes from being under authority. Every one of us wants to be in authority, have authority, make decisions. But true authority comes from remaining under authority. And this centurion's authority came from being under authority. And Jesus was blown away. Whenever something happens in the Bible, it's always good to see what Jesus' response was. Did Jesus rebuke this guy? Did Jesus say, you ungrateful thing? I've just offered myself to come and you're saying, don't come. What did He say? He said, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. It's taken some Italian dude to come and show you Jews what I was talking about. He said, this guy gets the kingdom. He gets how kingdoms work. He has authority because he remains under authority. 
And he says, go. And from that moment, this centurion's boss's slave or servant was healed. This centurion understood spiritual and natural governing authority. And if we want to see the kingdom of God come, we have to obey the laws that God has put in place. And the laws that God has put in place aren't all spiritual. Some are very natural. And we need to understand those natural laws were put in there first by God Himself, like having governors. The Bible doesn't say, obey your prime minister if he's a Christian. He says, no, obey those in government. And so if you want to see the kingdom of God come, we need to obey our government. That means stop gossiping about our government, talking badly about our government, saying, I wish Liberal were in, I wish Labour were in, I wish the Greens were in, if only, if only, if only. No, no, whoever is in, we need to obey and we need to pray for those in government. You want to see the Kingdom of God come? Let's obey and pray for those who are over us. Because even if they are a wicked king, a wicked queen, a wicked prime minister or a wicked president, we still need to obey because that's what God has told us to do in His Word. So who wants to see the Kingdom of God come? And that means watching how fast you go in your car, Tony Rainbow. I'm speaking to myself right now. That means when tax time comes, pay your taxes. Don't get shonky when it comes to your taxes. Who wants to see the Kingdom of God come? Who knew that the Kingdom of God coming was as practical as tax time? Let your Kingdom come. (laughs) The Bible talks about your workplace. You know, you may need the internet to do your job. But that doesn't mean you can take advantage of your boss by downloading all the latest movies on that internet. Unless, of course, he's given you permission. But if he hasn't, you are stealing from your boss. And when you steal from your boss, the kingdom of God does not come. But if we do the right thing, the kingdom of God comes. Who wants to see the kingdom of heaven come? This is true in church leadership and church life. Obeying your leaders, praying for your leaders. It's all part of the authority structure that God has put in place. It's funny, I stand up here and we talk about giving or we talk about praying or we talk about fasting. I mean, I don't like that, I don't agree with that. Hey, I don't like it. I don't know about you, but I like my food as much as the next guy. Do you really think we are holding a prayer and fast time this week because the leadership just doesn't like food? You know, sometimes leadership gets attacked as if somehow we made up the rules. We're just trying our best to follow the rules. And in trying to follow the rules, we're struggling like you are. I don't know that I've ever enjoyed a fasting time, but I've always enjoyed the outcomes of it because I sense heaven come. I sense breakthroughs come. And so in those moments, please don't make it any more difficult for us because it's difficult enough as it is standing for people saying, this is what we're going to do. It's difficult enough. He's actually implementing what I said we're going to do. But to be ridiculed and mocked and and, 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 uh, argued about and, and spoken ill about, it just gets tough to take because I didn't make up the rules. Who wants the kingdom of God to come? 
when it comes to church attendance, praying and, and reading your Bible. I didn't make the rules. I didn't say, hey, read your Bible. Trouble is at that church, you've got to read your Bible. Trouble is that prayer at church, why don't you come out on a Wednesday night for the prayer meeting? <laughs> I didn't make the rules. Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast. Here's a thought for you. We know according to the scripture that Jesus went to the temple every Sabbath as was his custom. Not occasionally, but as was his custom. Every Sabbath, Jesus found himself in the temple. And he had a band of disciples and those disciples followed Jesus on this command. Come, follow me. So if Jesus went to the temple as was his custom on the Sabbath and the disciples were following Jesus, where do you think the disciples were on the Sabbath? In church. Whether they wanted to or not was irrelevant. They were there because they were following Jesus. See, a lot of our decisions are made for us if we understand true biblical authority. We use a lot of mental energy, emotional energy, praying and and thinking about, you know, what should I, shouldn't I? Actually, you know, a lot of that can be done if you just surrender. And the peace of God comes. See, freedom, I believe, is found in following, and I'll talk more about that next week. Secondly, we talk about the kingdom of God coming. Secondly, whenever supernatural authority is released, the kingdom of God comes. The kingdom of God releases the authority of God. And Jesus had authority. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, it says, When Jesus had finished saying all these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority and not just as the teachers of the law. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 goes on to say, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Jesus was able to do things that the religious leaders couldn't do because he had authority. Where did that authority come from? By being in the will of the Father in heaven. You know, Jesus never did anything outside of what the Father wanted him to do. The Scripture says it this way, He only ever did what He saw His Father doing. When He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and He said, God, if if this cup can be removed from me, that was Jesus saying, if there's an out, If there's any small print, God, if there's any way out of this moment, He's sweating droplets of blood. He knows what's about to happen. And He's saying, God, if there's any, if there's another way, speak now, but not my will. Jesus taught us not to go by our feelings, not to go by our wants, not to go by our likes, but to go by the leading of the Father in heaven. And as a result, He had authority. Unlike the religious people of the day who didn't have authority, why? Because they were just doing their thing with their instructions and their interpretation of what God meant. Instead of coming under the rulership of what God actually intended. And as a result, people that were demonised were set free. See, deliverance is God ruling over principalities and powers. As a result of this authority, people were healed. And healing is God ruling over sickness and infirmity. Under Jesus, people experienced salvation. Coming to a new way of thinking and living. And salvation is God ruling over the curse of the law. I don't know about you, but who wants that kind of power? We live in a day and generation that needs to see a greater level of God's authority here on planet Earth. 
And I think what we're seeing, we see a desire in churches to see more healings. But there's a lot of theatrics that come with that. And I believe we just get back to God's Word, His will and His ways. And leave what God can only do to God doing. See, when it comes to healing, healing is not a promise of the cross. Healing is a provision at the cross. And because of that provision, we humble ourselves and we ask God to move. But it's not for us to will who gets healed and who doesn't. That's for God, the King, to decide. But we as His subjects, we place ourselves in a position to say, God, we're going to be the ones praying. You're going to be the one who does the healing, but we're going to pray every time. And if someone gets healed, praise God. And if they don't, it's not going to cause disparagement and we're not going to give up and we're not going to stop praying because it's up to God to actually do what only God can do. But our job as His subjects is to continue to position ourselves to do what He's asked us to do. He didn't say, if we should heal anyone. He said, we should pray. Who wants the Kingdom of Heaven to come? Well, we need to release supernatural authority. And that comes when we are being obedient to His Word. Thirdly, whenever financial prosperity is released in a biblical way. In Acts chapter 4, this is what we see the early church experiencing. Acts chapter 4 verse 32 said this, All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had and with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all and there was no needy persons among them. Here's the equation in the early church. All the people shared, all they had with all their hearts and there were no needy among them. All the people shared all they had with all their heart and guess what? The Kingdom of God came. Who wants to see the Kingdom of God come? Maybe, just maybe, it's not an issue of God withholding. Maybe it's more of an issue of our lack of surrender. So if all the people would share all we have with all of our hearts, who knows? But the Kingdom of God might just come and break out and do what we've been believing for. Do what we've been asking but haven't been putting ourselves in the position for God to do what only God can do because we're trying to do it in our own way and our own strength. The Kingdom of God came when all the people shared all they had with all of their heart. See, generosity is not something you... um, Sorry, generosity is something you are. It's not something you do. Generosity is something you are. And when we come into this new culture, you think about it. Most of us grew up in a culture that's a dog eat dog, every man for himself. Then we come to the kingdom culture and now we've got to give. That's where the battle is. And if you're struggling, you're in a good place today. Don't beat yourself up. The answer is found in surrender, not beating yourself up. See, every kingdom and every government has a taxation system. And God's taxation system is tithing. In order for His kingdom to flourish here on planet Earth, it's going to take finances. And Jesus taught about tithing. Tithing is not old covenant. Jesus taught it. 
You see, you need to understand something about the teaching of Jesus. There are some things that Jesus removed when it comes to the old covenant. There's some things that he removed. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say, forgive one another. Love your enemies. He, he removed some of the Old Testament. On other occasions, he raised the Old Testament. He said, you've heard it said, love your uh, neighbours. I tell you, love your enemies. He, he saw the Old Testament and he raised it. When it came to tithing, he just, he basically just said, do it. He balanced some parts. And when it comes to tithing, in Matthew 23, verse 23, he said this, woe to you teachers of the law, you Pharisees and you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your mint, spices, dill and cumin, but you neglect the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. He said, you should practice the latter without neglecting the former. He was saying, you should make sure that you have love, justice and mercy in play while you continue to tithe. What did Jesus say about tithing? You should do it. You should do it. Some things he removed, something he raised, and some things he balanced. And tithing is something he just balanced. Who wants to see the kingdom of God come? Right now, it probably sounds better in song than in action. But that's what we're moving. We're moving from song to action in 2021. And I need the band up here to give me the confidence to move into this fourth and final point. I hope you online are enjoying this and getting something out of it. Number four. And I will say this when it comes to tithing, just to answer, if you tithe more, I'd be able to get jeans without holes in. <laughs> it's just a conversation I had with someone this morning, just an in-joke, should never do that. But anyway, number four. Number four. Whenever we model a biblical lifestyle. Kingdom of God comes whenever we model a biblical lifestyle. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. There it is. Set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. This is the words to Paul to a young man, Timothy. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't worry about what they're not doing. You set an example. And if I can speak on behalf of the Lord and say anything this morning, I want to say this. Don't worry about what other people are thinking, saying, or doing. Don't worry about other churches doing down the road. You set an example. If they're not setting an example, you set an example. Well, they're not setting an example, I'm not going to. Two wrongs never make a right. Someone has to draw a line in the sand. Someone has to say, I don't know anyone to sing about the kingdom of God coming. I want to see it. And it's going to take something from us. It's going to de- it demands something from us. Yeah. My dad is not a perfect man, but gee, he's been an incredible example. Yeah. And all I've ever wanted to be is be a Christian example. And I don't always get it right. But even when we get it wrong, we have an opportunity to model Christianity. Yeah. Paul says, live a life of purity. For the single people, that that means keeping sex out of your life until you get married. I didn't make the rules. For those that are married, it's saying keep the sexual relationship you have with your partner pure. 
Don't involve other people and other things and other thoughts and into that equation. Don't look over the fence. The grass is always greener where you water it most. You, you water that relationship. And when you've watered it all you can, you water it some more. And you water it some more. And you water it some more. Because there'll always be a younger, there'll always be something else over the fence. But be an example in purity. I thank God as I look around this auditorium, some of the older, greyer, more wrinkled couples that have been together 40, 50. I love it. I said to Kath, I said, I look forward to getting old, grey and wrinkly with you. That's our goal as a couple. There's other things as well, but that's our goal. I don't want a younger model. I don't want a newer model. I, I just want to look after this model. You know, like some guys get an old car and they just look after it, it looks brand new. It's an old car, but it's brand new. I, I want my wife, as she gets older, to look brand new. Let's be people that encourage. The culture of this world is to pull down, tall poppy, particularly in Adelaide, particularly in Australia, pull down. The culture of the kingdom, encourage. How about straight after the service today, instead of just shooting home and doing your own thing, how about you hang around and you look for people to encourage, to bless, to maybe even buy them a coffee or a donut or anything else that we have available in the cafe today. Hang around, look someone in the eye. So I love the fact you're here today. I love it. You really encourage me. That's why Kath and I love getting on the, on the door to say hello and goodbye to people. Not because we have to, because we're the pastors. I just love people. I love people. I love looking at people and trying my best to encourage them. We've talked about prayer and Bible reading. These are things that I want you to be an example in. I didn't see what my dad did this morning. I didn't. But based upon living, him, living with him for over 20 years and popping in on him throughout the time that I've been married to Kath, if I come in the morning, he was always doing the same thing. He was always reading his Bible. And I dare say this morning, Dad got up and, and read his Bible. Be an example. I fell in love with reading the Bible and had a desire to read the Bible because my dad was doing it. What are your kids watching? Because kids are very observant. In actual fact, if our kids were ever playing up, it's easy as a parent just to tell your kids off. But when our kids are playing up, I, I learned something early on in the piece that our kids are very perceptive and often they would start playing up because something between Kath and me in our relationship was off kilter. And they were picking up the uncertainty. They were picking up the friction. And I use our kids' unsettledness as an opportunity and a stock take to say, okay, what's going on in my world? What's going on in our relationship? And I found that 80% of the time our kids were playing up is because of something in me, mostly in Kath, <laughs> and sometimes in both of us. And then there's about 20% of the time our kids were just little rotten horrors. They just needed a jolly good loving. <laughs> and we were capable of doing that as well. Be an example of forgiveness. You know, if you've been hurt by someone in this church, welcome to church. If you run away from another church, you got hurt in that church. I promise you, hang around long enough here you, because there's people here. You're going to get hurt. There's people. There's people. And I've seen a lot of pastors get burned out over people issues. 
I know there's not a pastor on the planet who likes it when someone leaves their church, but it happens all the time. You've got to be able to manage that. And unfortunately, when some people leave, they leave loudly. And you have to be able to navigate that. And you have to be able to navigate that. I know for all of our incredible volunteers who are putting their hand up to lead a connect group, every one of them at different times come to me and say, people. I say, yeah. Yeah, that can be cruel. In actual fact, there's one thing that unites every minister right across every denomination. Some, one thing that we never argue about is this. People can be really cruel. You go to Catholics, you go to Baptists, you go to Pentecost, you go to any denomination where people can be called. Yeah, amen, brother, amen. We're not sure when Jesus is coming back. We're not sure about a lot of things, but the one thing we are positive about is people can be really cruel. And some handle it better than others. And I made a decision a long time ago that whatever happens to me, whatever is said about me, however people respond, I want to get better and not bitter. As an 18-year-old, I made a vow to myself as a 50-year-old man. I want to have the body of a young man at 50. I want to have the mind of a, uh, the wisdom of an older man and I want to have the spirit of a godly man. I've been tested in that over and over and over and over and over again. I get offended, I get hurt, I get upset, I get disappointed. It hurts. And what do you do in those moments? Are you going to let the hurt govern your life or are you going to surrender that hurt to the King. And whether what you do with what comes your way determines whether the Kingdom of God comes or not. And I thank God to date, and I'm only one mistake away from making silly decisions to lose it all, but to date God has been so kind to me. As I've put into practice what I'm trying to teach here today, you can live with a healed heart. You can live with a tender heart if you'll let him in, if you'll surrender. See, this is what I know about the kingdom, and I'm sorry I'm going on, but can I just finish this thought? There are some things about the kingdom of God that's real easy to put into practice. There are some things that the kingdom of God demands of us, and we say, that's easy. I could do that. There are some things about my life that I, I never have to pray about because I don't even think about doing that. It, it takes no faith. It takes no energy. No, it takes no time to actually just not do that because I don't even think about it. When it comes to getting drunk and when it comes to gambling and some of those things that people really struggle with, that's just never been my issue. I've never said, God, give me strength over alcohol. God, give me strength over gambling. That doesn't make me a better Christian, by the way. It just means in that area, when it comes to living as a citizen of the heaven, it's real easy for me in that area. But that doesn't make me better than anyone who's struggling in those areas right now. And if you are struggling in those areas, I'm so glad you came to church this morning because this is the best place to be when you're struggling with some of those areas. Some people struggle with their sexuality. That's never been my thing, but it's very real for some. And if that's you, you're welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I love it. Because this is a place for the broken. It's a place for the humble. It's a place for those that are willing to submit. It's not a place for those who are going to sit here arrogantly in pride pointing a finger. This church is not for you. This is a place for the humble. This is a place for the broken. This is a place for those who are saying, man, I, I, I suck in this area. 
And here's the weird thing. The things I struggle with, if I told you, and, and, and there's a long list of things I struggle with, I can tell you some things I struggle with. Really? I don't even think about that. Yeah. And, and you're better in that area than I am. You're stronger in that area. And you take no time praying about that area because you don't have to pray about it. And here's the beautiful thing. We're all in the same boat. So there's no room for arrogance. There's no room for finger pointing. Because we all have different strengths and we all have different weaknesses. The question is, are we going to be big enough and godly enough to face our weakness instead of projecting our strength onto someone else and making them feel even weaker than they already feel? Jesus told a parable again. He said, there was a man who looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you that I'm not like this guy. And I tithe and I do this and I do that and I do the other. And the guy that he was referring to said, God, and he wouldn't even look up to heaven, Jesus said, forgive me. He said, who do you think went away justified? And all the disciples said, the guy who humbled himself. That's the same for us today. You wanna see the kingdom of heaven come? Surrender. Surrender your struggles. Don't try and do it in your own strength. It'll just take you further away from Him. This is what I know about serving God is ministry. And that's what serving God is. It's ministry. Some do it in church, some do it outside of church, but it's ministry. And ministry was designed to bring you to the end of yourself. Do you know people are backslidden? Do you know people don't go to church anymore because, oh, they burnt me out. Ministry is designed to bring you to the end of yourself. But it's what we do when we're at the end of ourselves and many people just keep going instead of what Peter did. You know, Peter, one of the great apostles that we're gonna see in heaven one day, denied Jesus three times, cut some guy's ear off and Jesus rebuked him. Peter's feeling, I've had a gut full of this. I'm done. I'm done. Jesus is hanging on a cross and Peter said, I'm done. I'm going fishing. What did he do? He does what most of us do. He went back to what he used to do. The things he could do is his own strength. So he goes back fishing. And this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus appears on the foreshore. And I believe Jesus is here today appearing on your foreshore. And this is the bit I wanna turn your attention to, Peter's response. Peter could have said, Jesus, row the other way. This isn't the Monty Python in me coming up. Come on, lads. Just, just sorry. Just, I often read the Bible with a Monty Python lens. Sorry. He's not the Messiah. He's an ordinary. This is what I love about Peter. He's at the end of himself. I've had a gut full. I can't seem to do anything right. Can't please Jesus. He sees Jesus. He can't wait. He jumps into the water, swims, comes to Jesus' feet. And that's exactly where Jesus wants you and me at His feet. When you're at the end of yourself, don't run away. Come back to Him. And then you'll have a breakthrough and you'll travel well and then you'll come to the end of yourself again and come back to Him. And you'll travel well. That's the way God has designed it so that we don't get so, so sure of ourselves that we get to a place in our Christian life where we don't need Him. If you're at the end of yourself, you're in a great spot. You're in a great spot to come back to Him today. You stand with me this morning. I've been away for six weeks. 
I never preached. And now I've got all these things I want to say. <laughs> Hence why our service has gone a little bit longer than normal. And I'm kind of sorry, not sorry. Who feels that God's speaking to you right now? Do you feel like God's speaking to you? We've got an anointing service tonight. I know you live busy lives. I know many of you said, I'm going to the fringe tonight. That's cool. But we're having an anointing service. And an anointing service is a fresh start service. It's a coming back to Jesus service. It's, it's, it's a service where we allow and allocate a little bit more time to worship and just focus on Him. We can have key members of our team just come by and use an oil roller. We can try and make it as COVID friendly as possible. We want to anoint each and every person who comes to church tonight. And I think it would be advantageous and powerful for every one of you to come. Come back and just start the year afresh with a kingdom perspective, with a kingdom understanding, with a kingdom desire. I don't have all the answers. I'm not standing up here preaching to you how to do this. I'm saying I'm in this together with you. Do you know by nature, I'm not a patient person. And I would have thought after 27 years of leading this church, God would have worked on me and I'd say, and now by God's grace, I'm patient. I can't say that. I can't say that. And the reason I know I can't say it is because there's too many witnesses who have seen me drive. I have kids who say, oh, Dad, I, you are patient sometimes, but a lot of times. And so I don't think I'm any more patient than when I first began. And yet here's the beautiful thing. If you look at our life, if you look at our longevity of ministry, there's a track record of patience. It doesn't make sense that an impatient person has a track record of patience. How does that happen? By me recognising how impatient I am, humbling myself and asking God's help. And this is what I know to be true. As I say, Jesus, help me. Holy Spirit, will you empower me? See, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it's not just about throwing people to the floor. And it's not just about rolling on the floor. It's not just about signs and wonders. It's actually about power to live life. So God, I feel so weak. I can't do this in my own strength. He says, I know. And I feel like the lenient from Jesus. So, so, so you're coming to me for help then? Yes, yes. Because I can't do it. I'm too flippant impatient. I, this is me praying. This is how I pray. It's God, I can't do it. I try to be patient. I just get more impatient. So I know. He's trying in your own strength. Just come to me. So I said, will you help me? And it's like, a, it's like a wave comes over me. And when I could have run many times and I could have done many silly things over 27 years of ministry, I didn't, why? Because of me? No, because of my surrender. And one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is this, it's patience. And so I live a, a Spirit-filled life with the evidence of patience, which has very little to do with me and everything to do with Him. So whatever your struggle is, the devil wants to accuse you. And I wanna tell you right now, there's no condemnation for those that are in Jesus Christ. We all have struggles. The question is, what are you gonna do with that struggle? And the best thing you can do with that struggle is come to Him and surrender today. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 